In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work. CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative. The only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with a fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. This is part two, where we answer your questions. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. We have a fair number of questions in the mailbag, so we yep. thank you, listeners. Yes, yes, thank you. This comes from Jim. Where can I find your latest recommendations for the preventive regimen of vitamins, both pre-surgical and post-surgical? protocols. Jim is a long-time listener. It's on the website, but yeah. uh, supplements for surgery is the... Uh, put that in the search. Put supplements that in the search. for surgery. Supplements for surgery, Hoffman. You can Google that. I think that you'll yeah. find it there. Uh, but let's go over it anyway. What uh, are some of the things that we might suggest or think are contraindicated at the time of surgery? Contraindicated. You want to stop taking probably a week to 10 days before surgery, any supplements or medications that will be blood thinning. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm not even that down with that recommendation. Because no, like I, an aspirin. I've seen, I, right. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. Certainly aspirin. But uh, I have to say that there's, you know, they, they say, oh, you got to stop fish oil. You know, da, da, da. But well, if you're taking six fish oil a day, that, you probably don't want to take six. Right. But there are actually some studies that say that moderate doses of omega-3s do not interfere with surgical outcomes. Okay. So okay. uh, things like ginkgo biloba would be another. That's a bit of a blood thinner. You know. Yeah. Uh, Not uh, curcumin. High amounts of vitamin E. They say curcumin, but I don't think that's really that much. I think you have to be taking too much curcumin yeah. for that to be so. But high amounts of vitamin E, like more than 800 IU a day, is not recommended before surgery. Yeah, you probably uh, shouldn't take that much anyway. Yeah. See, okay. it, I did Google that, and you, it comes up supplements garlic, for surgery. Supplements, yeah. So it, you know, it does say here, you know, stop prior to surgery. Garlic and below in an abundance of caution. High dose vitamin E, kava, milk thistle, kava because it's a hypnotic and it kind of interferes maybe with anesthesia. So you don't want to go in, uh, you know, like say I'm gonna, oh, I'm nervous about my surgery. I'll take a lot of kava, and then you get a little like uh, some cross reaction with. And the then anesthesia. you wake up in the middle of your surgery. <laughs> no, 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 actually, you don't wake up from your surgery. It's <laughs> you like, don't wake hello, up. Hello, hello. <laughs> Wake up. Oh, no. Uh, milk thistle is something that interferes with the metabolism of certain drugs, so it, it might interfere with anesthesia. St. John's wort also interferes with the metabolism of certain drugs. Uh, St. John's wort interferes with probably the most. Yeah. I don't like prescribing it at all to anyone. Except if that's the only thing they take, if they're not yeah. taking meds. No, I'll tell them to take Sammy instead of a St. John's okay. wort mm -hmm. if they're looking for something. It's so popular, but because of drug interactions, it's become less popular, and it's, you know, if you take it with antidepressants, 
it may amplify the serotonergic effects of the antidepressant. Anyway, so all caffeine, a good idea before surgery, really good idea, is to, is to try and wean your caffeine because mm-hmm. one of the reasons that people feel so crappy when they wake up after surgery is they're in major caffeine withdrawal. Oh, yeah. And if they're NPO and they can't, you know, they're not allowed to take a, a drink of coffee, yeah. they're going to just feel really crappy. But part of it is the caffeine withdrawal. So if you're like having six or eight cups of coffee and then you say, they say oh, you know, stop having anything uh, 24 hours before surgery or something, you don't have yeah. your coffee, and you go into surgery, the surgery, you don't have to wait, and then it takes another six hours you're going to feel really awful. Yes. Yes. So uh, supplements yeah. to take, and this I learned in medical school, arginine seems to be pretty helpful yes. for surgical recovery. Dr. Mm-hmm. Sam Seifter was one of my professors. He did work on arginine. as a sur- And they, they do use this in surgical, uh, um, you know, uh, not TPN, sometimes TPN, but also enteral feeding yeah. arginine. There is a caveat, though, with arginine. It could feed herpes viruses. If, if it got a you know chronic uh, outbreak of herpes yeah. or something. Uh, a good multivitamin C, acidophilus. Uh, I like N-acetylcysteine. Often when you get surgery, you get um, you know depletion in your glutathione or you Mag- take a lot of Tylenol. Magnesium. Uh, yeah, magnesium one. to take. Uh, it's not there on the list, but the multi has some magnesium, but yes. takes some additional magnesium. Did you say carnitine? I did not. Carnitine is, it should be another one. Maybe we should update this. Getting, yeah. Bromelain for healing. Uh, oh, to prevent scarring. scar tissue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bromelain. Yeah. And you need to take nine a day. Yep. Yes, that's nine. Three, three, and three, always on an empty stomach. You don't want it to digest your food. You want it to digest... What's the proteolytic enzyme called? Wobenzyme, right? Wobenzyme. Right, which has bromelain. Yeah. Uh, and arnica, you know, which is a homeopathic remedy that, you know, when you have trauma and surgery is trauma, it can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, the, yeah. And to get oh, ready. Look, at this, look yes. at this one. Yeah. This is a headline. You know, it, it shows recommended articles. Happy one millionth podcast. Let's review the best of 2015 so far. Oh, my god! God, we're almost 10 million now. That was 2015. Wow. That was like. Five years ago, there was the headline was "Happy One Millionth Podcast." You're kidding! Yeah, holy moly! Yeah, that's really something. Not Happy that we've done a million podcasts. No, but it feels like a million. Feels like it can, right? <laughs> if, but here's the thing: I just let's do the math. I've been doing a radio show since 1988, and in the beginning, I did it once a week, and then I did it. Uh, I, then I did it uh, all. Every weekday and and Saturdays or Sundays mm-hmm. for many years, mm-hmm. and now I do um, several podcasts per week, yes. including this one and the Saturday and show. the Saturday show live. Yeah, uh, so that's over a thirty-three year span. Yeah, so let's say on you know average two hundred a year. Mm-hmm. Just do the math: two hundred times thirty-three. Um, you know. That's, let's see, so 66. Don't ask, don't ask me, I'm a 66. girl. <laughs> I'm being Wait a sexist. We have I don't, to, my math. Okay. You can still go into STEM. You yes, can, yeah. I can still go into, well, I'm, science, okay. Science, that's right. Yeah, math. Okay, wait, yeah. it's 60, so 33 times 2, and then 66, I've done 6,600 uh, broadcasts or podcasts over wow. this career. Wow. Okay, so we'll let you know when I reach 10,000, that'll be, we'll have to throw a party then. There we, there we go. But we could be close to ten thousand. I just don't keep track. I mean, could I'm be. just averaging it out because now I'm not. I'm not, you know I do about three a week. No, mm-hmm. four, four a week, four, four a week. week. Yeah. Um, and 
there were many years where I did seven, six a week. Yeah. So I'm averaging out. So mm-hmm. probably about 200 a year on average mm-hmm. uh, for 33 years. Mm. So that's like 6,600. Terrific. Terrific. Yep. Coming back here to Jim for a minute, he's talking about, he's asking specifically about supplements pre and post but pre, you all, you also want to make sure you're getting enough, you're getting adequate protein pre and post surgery. Prehab. To get you, prehab, exactly. You want to be in the best shape, mm-hmm. good visceral protein status, and you want to be able to heal properly. So you need to get adequate protein post, mm-hmm. and post-op. And probiotics have a place here too, because uh, mm. what happens when you get surgery and you get antibiotics often oh, yeah. is you deplete your microbiome. Yes. So before and after. Your microbiome just changes checking into a hospital. It does. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you inherit the germs very Mm -hmm. quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as you try to avoid that. Right. All right. So there you go, Jim. Thank you for that question. Oh, this is from Kate. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Oh, my God. I was listening to your recent podcast. OMG. OMG. <laughs> I was listening to your recent podcast with Anne Louise Gittleman and learned how import- important the gallbladder is. Unfortunately, both my thyroid and gallbladder have been removed. Uh-huh. What should I be doing to stay healthy and support my metabolism? Am I screwed? No. No. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit of you're going to have to live with some assistance from outside thyroid hormone. Which can be regulated, yes. you know, skillfully, and then the gallbladder. I have to say, um, it's important, but it's not. But it's a essential. depot. Yeah, it's, it's a depot. Yeah, you're still going to get your digestive. Uh, you know, your the, bile is still being secreted by yeah, the liver. It is, and but it goes goes to the gallbladder to hang out and wait. So there may for be some issues with fat uh, malabsorption. Yeah. Uh, but uh, especially in the beginning, after a gallbladder, yeah, removal. adjusting to it. You know. Yeah. But generally, that uh, and here's the evidence of it is that often after gallbladder surgery, people get really fat, and the reason is is they can now eat with impunity. Before they were they had a kind of a like a uh, they'd have pain if they ate a fatty meal. Yep. Because if it's gall stones, yep. The gallbladder, gallbladder would, would contract, contract. Yeah. and you'd feel those stones. Right. So don't eat fat. So they say, oh, what a relief! I can eat whatever I want now. Uh oh. Yeah. But Trouble. which is ironic, yeah. because if you have gall stones. Most likely, you were on a very low-fat diet yes. for a long time yes. or a non-fat diet. So that bile had nowhere to go. So it just sat there in the gallbladder, crystallized, yes. and became stones. And in fact, So now you can't eat any fat. In fact, a consequence of severe dieting is often gallstones. Yes. You know, yes. But- and that's why the demographic is what? Middle-aged white women? Who diet. Right? Mm-hmm. Who diet a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. So... Yeah, but it also go. has something to do with hormones. It has to do with constipation, and it has mm. to do with uh, you know mm-hmm. fertility because yeah. the women who have a lot of uh, estrogen tend to be more gallstone forming. Yeah, yeah. So Kate, no, you are absolutely not screwed. If your if your thyroid hormone replacement is expertly taken care of, your gallbladder you, you can live without. Right. You can live with that. I mean, they don't normally go in to remove the stones anymore. Yeah. They simply remove the gallbladder. Right. If this was 1800, you'd be screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that would kind of be It's tough. like a burst gallbladder. It's like, goodbye. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, you go to the graveyard and you see like, you know, Eliza Bowen, born 1790, died 1815. Oh, gosh. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> 
you know, she had, uh, you know, uh, seven children and, you know, left her husband a widower. Oh, my goodness. You know, that is, I mean, that, yeah. you see that, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And people succumb to these things that now are very uh, fixable. Yeah. I will point out, you know, mm-hmm. as a digression, you know, the demographic trend towards increased longevity, right, is like with these succeeding generation, and this mm-hmm. was the hope that with the scientific advances and better nutrition and sanitation and vaccines, yeah, uh, people were going to live longer and longer and longer. And this is the trend up until recently is that, you know, the average age in World War, you know, World War II era or, or 1930s, uh, you know, they, they set up Social Security because they figured... You know, 65, there's not that many people who are going to live well beyond 65. Well, think again. Yeah. That may be why there's some actuarial problems <laughs> with that. Uh, and so with each succeeding decade, people live longer and longer and longer. The trend is reversing. Hmm. And what they're, and they have an article here, and I posted it, and we'll talk about it on the show this weekend, uh, is that Gen X and Gen Y folks mm-hmm. are less healthy than their parents and grandparents were at that age. They're more prey to various diseases, diseases which are relatively unheard of in younger people. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Gen Xers are in their 40s now. Yeah. They're middle-aged. and But we're seeing the emergence of diabetes and heart disease much earlier. And yes. why is that? It's about lifestyle, largely. Yeah. But it's also, to some extent, about addiction and violence and uh, what's called deaths of despair, Yes. You know, which is that people feel, you know, life is meaningless and, they, you know, Social media lonely plays a lot and ostracized and yes. uh, anxiety ridden. And they, you know, they kill themselves with drugs or they kill themselves with guns. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, or alcohol. Or alcohol. alcohol is much more. That's a slow death. Yeah. I mean, you want to hasten your demise. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like um, leaving Las Vegas, you know. Right. With, uh, Nick, uh, what's his name? You saw Nicholas that movie. Cage. Yeah, Nick Was Cage. Nicholas Cage, yeah. I mean, it's about somebody who can literally commit suicide by drinking mm-hmm. themselves to death. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. A very uh, depressing movie. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow a, one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital information with you. Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky, over-the-counter, or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hopp with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farms Liquid Turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or Go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. That would make Intelligent Medicine continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. What's next, Leyland? We have an email from John. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I was just diagnosed with myofascial pain syndrome in my levator scapulae muscle. Where is... That's like... Oh, it's there. Okay. Trap, like... Well, it's the the back muscles. The back muscles. Okay. The pain has been really bad for seven months. I've done lots of PT, 
tried muscle relaxants, haven't helped much. I can feel very tr- painful trigger point knots in the muscle. Yeah. I'm exploring trigger point injections, cortisone, Botox, dry needling. I eat a low inflammatory diet. I'm otherwise in excellent health. I'm 55 years old. Unsure what caused this mostly... A male. He's John. Mm. 55-year-old John. What caused this? Do you have any suggestions as to the best way to overcome it? I might look at hormones. I might look at magnesium levels. I might look at the ratio of omega-6 to 3 in that person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know... I'd look at occupational hazards, too. Why, you know... Right. What What's does he the, do? You know, biomechanical aspect of exactly. that. Exactly. You know, are you lifting uh, boxes over your head all the time? I, I it sounds like a, a form of fibromyalgia. Mm. You know, there's a fibromyalgia mm-hmm. trial underway. Which I mean, we've we've done this with a lot of our patients, but it's a formal trial at think, some medical university of a, um, uh, a, a it's a low FODMAP diet, uh, which is sort of a FODMAPs, which mm. is sort of a, a like a, a diet to reduce, uh, you know, the microbiome imbalance. Ah. Like, you know, you look at the gut. Less fermented as, stuff. Yeah, as a source of some of these chemicals that cause muscle Stop aches and fatigue. Stop feeding the bad bacteria. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I mean, this guy might be a case for oral magnesium or even injectable magnesium, you know, that has a... a Myers cocktail. Myers cocktail, right, to alleviate muscle spasm, you know, and discomfort. Uh, D-ribose or something like that, mm-hmm. which is used for fibromyalgia. Oh, yeah. You know, th- that D-ribose, protocol. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, those, I mean, again, this Physical is a kind therapy. of a case where, you know, somebody, this is actually, we see patients far less complex than this mm-hmm. and, you know, come to see us for tailored advice. But, you know, it's a little bit of a dilemma because he's doing a lot of the right things. Mm-hmm. Um. But we would have to see, you know, is, is anything being missed? Yeah. But some yeah. people have just tremendous achiness in their bodies. Mm. I mean, another, okay. I mean, possibly CBD might alleviate that, you yeah. know, as a pain uh, control me- measure. Mm-hmm. Or even medical marijuana, you know, which is higher potency and prescribed. Yeah, we'd look for toxicity too. Sure. Think maybe a heavy metal burden or something. That's, I mean, we have or to even sometimes other environmental yeah look at toxins. look outside the box a little yeah. bit yeah okay John we hope you feel better soon wow okay we have one from Dawn to be brief this is about endometriosis uh-huh. I've been in pain for over ten years after many exams MRIs tests OBGYN gastrointestinal all of it. I'm told the conclusion is a complete hysterectomy. I don't want this, so I'm wondering, is there any natural alternative? Can endometriosis grow back once it's been removed? Are there any other choices I may have? Thank you greatly. Now, I've heard of the laparoscopic surgery for endometriosis. There are a couple of women I know who have had this done with great success, Mm -hmm. where it didn't come back. Right. But it doesn't mean but that it, it won't come back. The problem back. with endometriosis is that it seeds, it yeah. spreads. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's fortunately it's not cancer, but it, it sometimes you don't get it all, and, and pieces of the endometrium and they lodge still start growing inside, again. and they start growing again under hormonal influence. Um, so you know, 
Unless in, the hormones in, in are manipulated. It's thought that endometriosis has a lot to do with uh, environmental chemical uh, toxicity, uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals that are ubiquitous in the environment. And so, but it's a little hard to say, okay, well, it's due to that. So, like, let's, you know, eat a clean diet and it'll all go away. Once it's on its way, uh, it's hard to stop it. Um, you know, endometriosis responds to natural anti inflammatories, to an autoimmune paleo kind of diet. Uh, it helped by progesterone. And progesterone. Well, many right. of these women are estrogen dominant. Right, very and much. And many so. of them are pear shaped. That I, I know about these two women that I know. Right. Like, oh, that's interesting. They're hippie. They're hippie. hippie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're hippie. Mm-hmm. So, Too much estrogen. Yeah. And, and that goes with the theory that there are what are called xenoestrogens, mm-hmm. which uh, send uh, the endometrium into overdrive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is there a surefire, you know, I'll tell you, take two, two three vitamins. But and here's the away. thing. No. Here, here's the thing. It, complete hysterectomy. But that endometrium, it can... Well, no. If the uterus is gone, then that shed isn't going to grow anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, that would be the no, point. It's Never the, mind. I, I was going to say it's the solution. I mean, but the it other, might continue. The growing, other solution, it, it I mean, it, and it's a more natural solution, but it may not be accessible, is to get pregnant. Getting pregnant often, um, you know, can um, help <laughs> that, but it's hard to get pregnant when you have endometriosis. Yeah, that's, that's the rub. But uh, I can't imagine that pregnancy could feel pleasant. Having endometriosis, it, it, it might uh, shrink the endometrial tissue, but mm. here's the, I mean, un- unfortunately, you know, societally, they'd be a wash in progesterone, so that would help. Yeah, societally, uh, you know, <laughs> women are fertile from the time they're in their teens, and in paleo, you know, mating and marriage, um, you know, women started childbearing, you know, before they were twenty, yeah. well before they were twenty. Yeah. And in the not too recent past, you know, it was not uncommon. You know, a couple eighteen year olds would get married. You know, it's like, how are we going to have sex? You got to have married. You got to get married. Okay, well, I so want to have sex. Married. We'll get married. Then you have the natural consequences of that sex. Yeah. Uh, we've changed that equation, and yeah. so women wait, 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 and that may be for some women a bit of a stress on the reproductive systems, and they develop endometriosis because mm. they don't have their normal cycles interrupted by. Uh, multiple pregnancies. Yeah. So, you know, that's bare, interesting. barefoot and pregnant. Oh, if, <clears throat> does that sound sexist? Am I saying you know, something that's That's like, okay. Get, I, I said I'm, something about math, about am, myself. Am so I, get, I was being sexist. Am I going to get canceled <laughs> for saying that? No, I mean, just a biological <laughs> fact. You know, I'm not saying, you know, not right. advocating a teen marriage. I'm not a pedophile or, you know. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah. got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Dawn, uh, unless th- some hormone therapy, some progesterone Well, they do. They, 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 that probably has failed. That's why mm. she, there are ways to block the hormones. Well, she, says, she says she's had many exams and right. MRIs and tests, but no treatment. They have hormone blockers. Hormone blockers. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I we don't, don't know, know how old is. she yeah, is. I don't know what so. her history is. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Um, and then this, this can recede when you get past a certain age because the hormones decline. Yeah. Yeah. So some things that might help with the pain, B vitamins, magnesium, borage oil. Okay. These women I know have been helped with that to some degree, which is good. Yeah, like for bad PMS. I mean, beyond that, they're both on the cusp of perimenopause right now. For, you know, like, uh, you know, painful menstruation, which is associated with this. Yeah. Dawn, we hope you feel better soon. All right. We, notwithstanding the fact we have a couple of things still in the mailbag, uh, mm-hmm. let's save them for 
Okay. The eponymous Q&A with Layla <laughs> next week. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's not the eponymous Q&A. You are the eponymous Layla. I am the eponymous Layla. Right. That is my name. Okay. Eponymously. Not to be confused with hippopotamus. <laughs> Oh my God! Like it, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's like a, the eponymous. The eponymous. You. <laughs> uh, so you know, look it up, and um, you know. All right, that's since we're descending into silliness. I think it's about time to pull the plug on this one. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Radio program at AOL.com is the place to send questions. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine. This is Layla Mutin, R.D. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your healthcare.